Welcome to TP Talks, PwC's Global Transfer Pricing Podcast Series. My name is Dana Hart, and we welcome you to the first episode in a special series addressing transfer pricing readiness amid economic uncertainty. We're operating in uncharted waters, information on the current economic environment continually evolves, and its impact on global business activity is difficult to assess. Nonetheless, it remains a time for preparedness and even action. There are numerous transfer pricing topics on which you can focus now and which should be addressed proactively as your company adapts from a business perspective. Through this series, we aim to provide you with guidance to identify those topics, evaluate your current situation, and assess changes needed to best position your company to adapt to changing economic conditions. In today's episode, we will be discussing liquidity and cash management. Joining me, I have Paige Hill, the U.S. Transfer Pricing Practice Leader based in New York, Krishnan Chandrasekhar, the U.S. Financial Services Tax Leader based in Chicago, and Dan Pibus, a Transfer Pricing Director based in London, specializing in financial transactions. Paige will be our moderator for today's podcast. So Paige, I want to hand it over to you to get our podcast started. Thanks, Dana. Liquidity and access to cash has become the number one priority for most companies in the current environment with this unexpected business disruption. Intercompany arrangements and transfer pricing play a key role in a company's ability to access cash through their multinational organization, through their existing intercompany financing treasury structures, and through the impact that TP policies can have on optimizing cash flows. Today, we're going to break our discussion into three areas. One, looking at liquidity broadly in the market. Two, looking at how intercompany liquidity impacts the company. And three, the impact on valuation and pricing. So, Krish, I'm going to hand it over to you. Can you just give us some, uh, a macro view on what treasurers are thinking about in the current environment? Sure. Thanks, Paige. Um, yeah, I think it's worth uh, first noting that things are developing drastically on a daily basis. And what I mean by that is there are significant changes happening in the credit markets and treasurers thinking around this topic that changes from day to day. Um, Just two to three weeks ago, um, the focus was on starting to create cushions with an expectation that uh, companies might have cash flow shortfalls. Fast forward a day or two and rapidly uh, the markets and treasurers with them had to quickly find that they needed supplementary sources of liquidity because important sources of revenue and inflows for their businesses were simply just drying out. And so in this environment, for a number of industries, treasurers are first and foremost today focused on A, ramping up and determining where their various sources of liquidity are, first within the group, and then looking externally to find additional sources of capital liquidity depending on their industry so that they can create the relative cushions they need to weather out uh, what is hoped to be a temporary shortfall around cash and liquidity for a number of businesses. Secondly, it's important to know that some treasurers have to think about refinancing and credit at this point in time. And so the other space that treasurers are looking for is how do they go about accessing debt in the markets in a condition where a number of borrowers may or may not be even able to access the typical sorts of financing that most treasurers like to achieve. So the focus again to summarize is a subset of clients looking for quick sources of liquidity, both within the group and externally, 
And secondly, for those that require debt and credit, starting to look for alternative sources compared to what they would normally like. So where they're normally like long-term financing, uh, flexible terms, now willing to accept terms that might be a little more expensive, but accessing that so that they have the needed cash to kind of weather the storm. Thanks, Krish. That's helpful. And Dan, how do intercompany arrangements then feed into this agenda? Yeah, thank you. So there's a couple of things I'll talk about here. So firstly, I guess, how does intercompany financing, how is it impacted more generally from a pricing perspective? And then I'll touch on cash pooling as well. Um, so intercompany financing more generally, I suppose, with the pressures which Chris alluded to there, what we are seeing now is pressure on things like credit spreads. So we are seeing an enhancement in borrowing rates for local entities in, in various jurisdictions. And of course, this places pressure on your intercompany pricing uh, policies, which already are in play. Um, now, at the same time, what we're seeing in the markets is that you're having territory-specific responses whereby governments are helping to support low borrowing rates for a sustained period of time just to enhance um, the economics for that particular um, territory. So we have this in the UK at the moment. Um, and what this is also doing then in the background is it's kind of deflating some interest rates as well. So we're seeing an interesting dynamic in the market. And as Chris says, that means it's kind of a constantly moving platform right now for treasurers. Um, and that plays into your intercompany financing considerations. You know, how should I be pricing this debt? How should I be pricing this interest? And, and what should I be doing? What would, I, what would I be doing from an independent company perspective? You know, if I was looking at my options realistically available in light of the current business economics. Um, so that's kind of one of the key considerations there, and that plays into this idea of, well, how have you set yourself up as a group? If you think about your treasury policy, are you looking at a treasury policy where you have a centralized group financing company, which is being treated as an entrepreneurial entity? In which case, in the current environment with fluctuating rates, you're going to expect that entrepreneurial company to be absorbing all of that risk and that impact. Um, whereas, and this has been commonplace for the last couple of years, you know, tax authorities have been saying, well, actually, we think all the risk is being borne in local territories, so we want to see some of the benefits, some of the upside. Well, of course, now in the current environment, what should be happening is that they should be seeing some of the downside, too. They should be seeing some of these economic pressures, some of the pressures around liquidity and the impact that has on pricing being pushed down to those local territories. Um, so those are a couple of the key impacts from a financing point of view. And then we've talked a bit about cash already and how cash is king in this current environment. I guess what that plays into then is in the models where you have cash pooling arrangements and things like that, um, you know, how can we get cash back to the center as quickly as possible? Or how can we get cash moving around the group more efficiently to ensure that where I do have pockets of capacity or where I now more than ever need to make sure cash can move fluidly throughout the group, that I have a mechanism to do that. So something like physical cash pooling, where groups didn't have it before, they're certainly looking to, to introduce that now. And where they did have it before, it's making sure that's set up in such a way which allows for that free access to capital on a day-to-day -day basis, which is you know, the frequency with which companies need that funding right now. Thanks, Dan. Um, Chris, over to you. Um, thinking about valuation and pricing, what, what are the main impacts that you are seeing there? Yes, maybe to bring it around full circle. I mean, I think if you look at what's happening externally in terms of pricing, I would observe the following. First, um, there are certain ratings and certain types of borrowers that are simply not getting funding right now. Now, this is rapidly changing, and the position last week is very different from what we we're already observing this week, but that observation is important for related parties, I think, because it's important to understand what type of borrower 
would be able to obtain financing today. And that ties to the pricing point because the second piece of that puzzle is there are certain types of borrowers and then certain types of terms and conditions under which the credit markets are still willing to offer either short-term or medium-term liquidity or credit. And so those terms and conditions then start to inform uh, how the related party would then need to consider pushing down that credit or funding within its group. So the connections to valuation and pricing are first understanding what's happening externally and using that as markers to say, okay, if there are certain terms and conditions once offers, then A, I'm able to do this transaction, and B, that impacts my pricing in the following way. And then how do I translate that for the profile of my specific related party borrowers? So that's the biggest piece I'm seeing. And then one piece on valuation, I think to the extent receivables and loans are important currency within the group for tax structuring purposes, each of the elements we described start to make material differences in the valuation of those receivables or notes. And so there's a really important issue to consider as in a broader operational and tax perspective, clients are starting to restructure their balance sheets, their flows, their structures. It's important to understand that these financial assets, these receivables and notes are now going through some volatility. And how do you think about uh, the value of that currency, the value of those notes in this sort of volatile environment? What rates do you use? Do you use averaging? Um, things of that nature. Thanks. Dan, any other comments from you? Yeah, so maybe I'll just touch briefly on the legal side of things as well, because as Chris says, there's an important aspect here, which is the pricing piece. But of course, groups have intercompany agreements already in place. And so part of the challenge is to make sure that um, looking at those legal agreements in the context of the current business environment and saying, well, actually, as a lender, would I have the ability here to call in that debt? Has something actually been defaulted with respect to my intercompany arrangement? Or equally, from a borrower's perspective, is there some flexibility here? Is there something within the existing legal agreement which allows me to maybe defer interest payments um, or potentially have a payment holiday for a sustained period of time? Um, and again, here looking to what the group's been able to do externally is a great indicator as to what I might be able to do internally if I was treating this as an independent party. Um, so I'd, I'd emphasize over and above the pricing aspects, considering the legal side of things as well, considering your intercompany agreements, delineating the transactions that are in question, and then working out, actually, does this give me some freedom from a borrower's perspective, or should I be doing something from a lender's perspective, which I might expect an external lender to be doing? Thanks, Dan. Uh, Chris, any last takeaways for our listeners? The key takeaway from my perspective is just looking um, on a more current basis at, at the market. The one piece about financial transactions is the environment as of the time of the transaction is such a relevant quote-unquote comparability factor for transfer pricing. So observation one is um, these, these factors are changing on a daily basis, as I've noted more than once here. And so a, one takeaway is noting that being, being a little more current um, in the evaluation for transactions that you might be considering over the next few weeks. And then the second piece, if I may, is uh, it's really important to step back. A number of things that the Treasurer is doing is, is, is based on not just current needs, but forecasting over the next three to six months. So you can assist the Treasurer in part by understanding and having a good inventory of what the implications are on a related party perspective and then being joined at the hip of the treasurer as those calls are being made. Makes sense. Dan, last thoughts from you? 
Yes, and this probably links back to some of the early comments I made. So I consider on an ongoing basis the characterization of entities within the group. As Chris says, we need to consider pricing, and that's very current. Um, but of course, the characterization of entities from a financing perspective is quite key. And if you're reliant upon a centralized model from group financing perspective or a group financing company, if that's considered entrepreneurial or service provider in historic, then going forward, is that still a characterization which A, we want, but B, is actually what's happening in substance on the ground. Um, so I think that's key, and that ties again back to that point around delineation and the legal construct which we've set up, and how does that play into what the lenders and borrowers are doing on a day-to-day -day basis now, given the economic environment. Great. Thank you so much. Dana, I'll hand it back to you. Great. Thank you, Paige, Chris, and Dan, and thank you to our listeners. We will continue to release these podcasts regularly and as the transfer pricing environment demands. We also encourage you to reach out to your regular PwC transfer pricing contact for immediate response. As always, your PwC teams stand ready to accompany you on this journey every step of the way. Stay safe and healthy, and thank you for listening. This podcast is brought to you by PwC, all rights reserved. PwC refers to the U.S. member firm or one of its subsidiaries or affiliates and may sometimes refer to the PwC network. Each member firm is a separate legal entity. Please see www.pwc.com structure for further details. This podcast is for general information purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.